everybody. Hey, all you BitMartians out there. It's Nathan from BitMart here again with my colleague, Matt Ryan, for a second edition of BitMart Bites. Matt, I think we're going to call it a second helping, right? That just seems accurate when it comes to discussing the news, breaking down stuff that we've seen on the podcast. But of course, we tend not to commentate on the podcast. Are you are you ready for it? Oh, I'm ready for a second helping. I am ready for a heaping helping of BitMart Bites. Yeah. Anytime we get to talk, like, on the show, that's that's always fun for me. I'm always down for uh, for hijinks and tomfoolery with my good buddy, Nathan. But when we take a look at the first story, Nathan, someone threw out $175 million in Bitcoin and want robot dogs? What in the sweet backflipping Batman is this? Well, you know what's funny, Matt, is this actually is not really a new story. So I kind of lied here when I threw this in the Daily Crypto Watch and said, like, oh, it's new. This has just happened. This is part of an ongoing story that I have personally been aware of since um, he threw this out, which was in sometime, I want to say, in 2013, if I'm remembering the story correctly. I'm pulling it up right here. But it has to do with this guy named James Howell, and he lives in the UK. And he was one of the early adopters of Bitcoin. He was actually mining it on his laptop back when you could actually you know, do that with Bitcoin. You didn't have to have these huge mining farms. And he has quite a lot of Bitcoin. He has at least $175 million worth in current market conditions. So you can only imagine back when it was a raging bull market and Bitcoin was $69,000, he has a lot. He's been fighting this city council in a small town in the UK called Newport to try and get him to dig up this old hard drive that he threw away way back in the day when Bitcoin was worth nothing. So obviously there's a lot of incentives about how he wants to go do this. And his latest plan slash incarnation is to take this AI firm called Boston Dynamics, which I, I believe is out of Boston, Massachusetts, but don't quote me on that. They're the guys with the weird sort- sentient robots, right? I've seen their, uh, yeah. they scared the ever loving life out of me. I think, yeah, there's a lot of weird stuff going on there, but we don't have to get into that. The main point is that they're at, they're obviously advanced enough that they could probably work 24 seven and he wants them to help them sift through the trash so he can try and find this hard drive, which has been buried for many, many years now under many, many thousands of pounds of trash. And if he can recover the information on that hard drive, he is willing to only take 30% of Bitcoin, give 30% to the workers who helped him uncover it, and then give $60 worth to the people in his town. But the city council continually is just like, nope, you can't do that. You're not digging up the landfill. And so it's just a, it's an interesting story that will definitely continue to progress, but you can kind of see why he, he wants to do this. It's, I, the entire thing sounds like the episode of a dystopian television show. It like, sounds like it's not real. It, yeah, it, it doesn't is. sound real. It doesn't sound like that's an actual person who exists in our world. This just sounds like a bat. It sounds like a Batman villain. It sounds like something that the Penguin would do, and I, I really don't know how to feel about it. Like it, it's cool in theory. I like the altruism, mm-hmm. but it does really feel like the second act of a Bond film, or like something Lex Luthor would do. <laughs> like I can see Gene Hackman standing on a stage saying, I will give the town 60% of whatever I find. I just want to keep 30% of it. And then, ta everybody's wearing gray suits and having bald heads. 
Well, you know, I it's I always love your opinions on these things, Matt, because you're not a crypto native, so you're kind of outside of this world. I will say that there's actually an incentive for other people who may be invested in Bitcoin to have him not find this because he's taken Bitcoin off the market that nobody will be able to buy or sell, which therefore increases the existing value of the Bitcoin. So mm. I think I just anticipate that this is going to be a fight that is going to keep going on until I think you're right, Matt. He's going to have to get some like venture capital behind him, which it says in the story, there are people interested in doing that with him, but he's going to have to get a lot of venture capital in, uh, in back of him so that he basically like takes over this dump and tries to find it. But there's no guarantee that he'll find it. So it's just, it's a crazy story. You this know? is going to end with we, him we buying the town. To he's going to try to buy the town. <laughs> this is turning he's into, gonna, this, <laughs> it's turning into that Dolly Parton Christmas special, Christmas on the Square, where like Christine Baranski buys the entire city or some fakakta nonsense. But is, speaking of fakakta nonsense, Minecraft last week announced an entire ban on NFT-related assets in their games and on their servers. NFT lands is a business that have private servers and are able to tokenize aspects of their servers and their games. And now they've had their 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 values drop 55%, a whole bunch of things have happened, and now they're trying to respond and the way they're responding is by creating their own game. NFT Worlds used to sell, you know, uh, Minecraft seeds, but per this art article from Games Radar Plus, they're saying this is not a rewrite of some open source Minecraft clone, which would likely violate the EULA or still risk legal action. This is entirely from the ground up. So these guys are trying to build their own game, Nathan, predicated on the same world and same ideology as Minecraft, but driven with NFTs. You know, there's a part of me here. So I just want to clarify that I'm getting this correct. They're 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 upset that Minecraft isn't allowing them to have NFTs in the game. Yes. So they're building their own Minecraft. Did I get that correct? You got that correct. I mean, there's a part of me that just says, God bless them, right? You know, it's it's kind of like, oh, I don't like how the, the rent is too high on this apartment building. I'm gonna go build my own apartment building and rent myself an apartment. I suppose if you can do it. That's that's the position we'd all like to be in, but it it's it seems to me I'm not a game developer. It seems like it's pretty technically complex to develop a game, and especially one as as large and open world as Minecraft. So I wouldn't anticipate this being out anytime soon. No, this is going to take years of development, years of work. A lot of a lot of components would have to go into that unless there's something in the background, some sort of source code that they can kind of build off of. They said they weren't going to do anything that violates the electric user, electronic user license agreement, the EULA. But you got to have something to kind of induce the birth of this within a window or you're completely irrelevant. Yeah, that's what I was about to say is I was like, even if you had a guaranteed funding and like a three year plan or something like that right now, there's no guarantee that even Minecraft will be popular in three years. I tend to think that it will be just like how GTA or Red Dead has been popular for many, many years past its its launch. But trends go, trends fade, people age out of gaming. Um, I'm not sure. Yeah, they would probably want to have an accelerated timeline with this or something like that if they were being really smart about it. 
Yeah. And uh, what, what's your uh, first, uh, what's your story from Tuesday? Uh, just as a reminder, all these stories brought to you on BitMark Bytes are taken from the headlines of the non-fungible news and crypto conversations. That's why you can hear it on the Crypto Conversations podcast feed. If you have not already liked, commented, and subscribed to not only our BitMart YouTube channel, but our NFT 101 and Crypto Conversations podcast feed, what are you doing? Why, why aren't you, are doing you doing that? Yeah, it's, it's, Come a, on. it's, it's yeah. silly. It's silly. But Nathan, we're, do, we're doing the work for you here, getting the news headlines. I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll do you one better, Matt, here. If you're looking, to, uh, if you're looking a, about a story where you're trying to earn something for doing nothing rather than having to put in years and years of game development, then you're going to want to be interested about this new trend in finance called crypto jacking. This was actually kind of new to me. A um, little bit of an odd term, if you're going to ask my uh, opinion on that, crypto jacking. It kind of sounds like carjacking, but with somebody's using Bitcoin to, I don't know. But it sounds what it actually like to me, is, it, it sounds to me like back in the old days when people would wear dookie ropes around their neck when you got your chain snatched. That, that sounds like what it is to me. Like someone's just stealing your sneakers and, and you have to walk home barefoot. That's something that totally didn't happen to me. No, no never. never. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's that's odd, Matt, because crypto jacking is a uniquely Brooklyn phenomena. Yeah, no, yay. I'm kidding. <laughs> crypto jacking is this interesting new form of cyber um, theft, where essentially malware, spyware, different types of software are embedded on people's computers, um, anywhere from reg regular residential user computers to business enterprise computers, and they use the the computer's hardware and internal software plus the electricity that it's consuming in order to mine different cryptocurrencies and send them to whoever has installed this software's wallet. And in particular, there's a lot of cyber attacks that are hitting the finance industry that are utilizing this crypto jacking software in order to make people in all sorts of locations around the world a bunch of money in crypto. And this article from Coindesk goes on to talk about how this is now five times as prevalent as the kind of retail credit card theft or common attacks we would see on major retail establishments. So in a way, it's kind of it's kind of interesting because you're like, oh wow, crypto must be getting more popular and more adopted because criminals want to use it. But then at the same time, this article goes on to say, you know, this is why you should have the proper antivirus software on your computer. If you notice your computer's running slower for no reason, you should get it checked out. It's just you know, it's another thing to worry about, right? You're just like, ah, oh, my, am I mining Dogecoin for a, a hacker group in, um, you know, in Lithuania or something like that? No shade to Lithuania, but it's just this is this is the the new uh, this is the new uh, money laundering, you know, kind of way. It is a really interesting way. Like, technology is so interesting that the first things are either gambling or theft related that we see the the induction. Uh, of massive of massive technological <laughs> change, but we we talk about jacking, robbery, the idea of theft. Our next story dwells in that, but not in the way you would expect. A class action lawsuit is coming for Yuga Labs. This one coming from Blockworks. Yuga Labs, per a law firm Scott and Scott, 
uh, said that the investors were improperly induced to buy the company's NFTs and its native token ApeCoin, saying that they used endorsements and paid celebrity promoters to inflate mm. the price of the NFT by overpromising high returns. And we had a story in the non-fungible news on Thursday about Madonna wanting to buy a board ape that is now being sold or valued at $1.3 million. And she bought one that was $440,000. We had an NFT this week that was being sold for $6 million based on the Notorious B.I.G. This lawsuit feels a little bit ambulance chasery to me because there obviously is an, a market for board apes and they are being considered very valuable by very rich people. So it drives up the value inherently. I don't know who's going to jump onto this lawsuit. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I'm so I'm not a lawyer. Um, I know a couple of lawyers in real life. And I all I can say is that whenever you hear the term class action lawsuit, my understanding, I could be completely wrong about this. Any lawyers in the comments, you want to correct me here. My understanding is that class action lawsuits um, rarely go through because they're like a very unique case. And if they do, they take many, many, many years. So. All the things you described with Yuga Labs, you could attribute to any of the social media companies or any startup software technology company. Of course, people are always mad when they're promised returns on something or that something's going to be the hot new thing. Um, I always think about, you know, when I was a kid and Beanie Babies were hyped and they were just like everybody was all in on Beanie Babies. And that was a physical object and how none of the promises or predictions that people thought around Beanie Babies ever came true that could be true with certain NFT projects like Board Ape Yacht Club or things like that. Just because it's not right now doesn't mean that it will always be so. But it's just Yuga Labs is this very, very interesting case of a company that started out just to do NFTs back when NFTs are new. When Board Ape Yacht Club came out, you could buy one for $200. Nobody thought that they were going to take off like this. And it's just this will continue to develop and continue to get crazier, especially as Yuga Labs grows bigger, gets more money, has more influences, and essentially has all the problems of being rich and famous. Yeah, this is one of those things where as soon as something gets popular or gets to that level of status, that's when the class action lawsuits start to come in. You've seen that a lot with social media. You've seen that a lot with different businesses and different brands that as soon as it becomes part of the cultural zeitgeist in the way the board apes have – these things start to roll in. Now, someone could, and also they're trying to predicate it on so many things that are typical marketing street, like marketing assets, like having paid endorsements, oh, yeah. things like that. It might fall into a weird minutia with the SEC. Once again, I'm not a lawyer. I did play one for a few years, but I am in fact not <laughs> a lawyer. But Nathan, we move on to our next story. And, you know, I've seen these over the past couple of years, crypto ATMs. I've yet to go to one. But it seems like the value of them are about to hit a pretty decent number in the next five years. Yeah, you know, I, I think this is a – I had a great adage to finish up our Yuga Lab story and segue into this. And so I'll say it as we segue into this where, you know, in order to rob a bank, the bank's got to have money in it, right? Yuga Labs now has a lot of money in it. So if people want to do class action lawsuits, they can do that. And that segues perfectly into the fact that crypto ATMs have been popping up all over the place, and especially in the USA. Now, I personally don't use crypto ATMs at the moment because they have high fees and they have all sorts of kind of regulations around them that don't suit my needs. But this is actually interesting. I, I was talking to a couple of people who had traveled internationally recently, and they were talking about how difficult it is to 
deal with the banking systems of other countries, even in developed places like Europe. And I said, oh, yeah, well, you know, banks have hours. They only stay open like a regular business, but ATMs don't. And they said, oh, well, sometimes it feels unsafe doing ATMs or I can't find an ATM that doesn't charge high fees and this, that, and the other. And I said, hey, don't worry about it. In five years, you'll be able to do this seamlessly from crypto to cash and otherwise, but it's just not developed yet. And so the way that crypto ATMs are right now is a little bit different about how I think they're going to evolve, but as per this market data report that a market research company did, they're definitely going to be important in the future, reaching $472 probably million in market capitalization. And I have to believe that they're going to be super important in the developing world where people have access to crypto, but not necessarily a good banking system. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how this goes over the next five years. If it even gets to that $472 million mark, I think that that's fair. But I think where the market is now, it has set the market back about five to six months. So we might sure. see it in 2028. It could be a little later than that. We don't know how long this e this global economic downturn is not just the crypto market. Other sectors are facing this crunch. So to see how long, you know, the United States and internationally we can rebound from that, it's going to be a real interesting conversation. But I see it happening maybe a little later than 2027 unless we hit a real boom period in the next six to nine months. Uh, next well, you know, okay. it, it, it's also one of those things too, Matt, where, you know, there are still people, I still meet people that have never used Uber or Lyft in their life, right? They, they know how to use a smartphone app but perhaps they just don't know the ins and outs of a particular service. Somebody like you who sees these crypto ATMs everywhere but may not know how to go in and out of them, that's going to take a learning curve too. It's, yeah. it's just the way the technology goes. And we move on here talking about uh, evolution of crypto. This has been a big theme so far. NFT projects have lost $22 million over the last couple of months, specifically in May due wow. to hacking via Discord. This coming to us from Decrypt. According to a recent analysis from TRM Labs, cyber attacks against NFT collections have steadily risen in 2022, costing the NFT community over $22 million in May alone. And when you go a little bit deeper into it, we see on the chain side, uh, one of the people from TRM Labs says it's between common consolidation points and wallets suggesting that these same actors run the bulk of these attacks. So there's a group behind this. There's some a sort of collective or people who have the same kind mm -hmm. of uses that are really bringing this together and you take a look at it it's not necessarily that's going to be in discord but it is a target rich environment when you take a look at community and communities are the heart of nfts once you're able to kind of topple or infiltrate the head of the community you see this in just culture in general that's going to lead to a lot of deception a lot of tomfoolery and a lot of shenanigans yeah, and you know, I say this as somebody who actively monitors the BitMart Discord um, just to see what's going on there and see how people are are interacting. It's I think this is going to come back to education, Matt, where mm -hmm. it's like you can talk to anybody that you want to online. They can claim who you know, they can claim to be whoever they want to be. Um, I think I just always assume in the back of my mind that until somebody is trying to extract something from me or get me to do something that I wouldn't normally do, I take everything with a grain of salt until I've met somebody in person or talked to them in another way. I mean, even then, you know, you just should always be hesitant about sending somebody money, 
uh, telling them where your NFTs live, telling them where your crypto lives, things like that over Discord. And it is unfortunate because I think Discord has a great reputation as like a sort of family-friendly kind of social media service, even though it is used in a, a lot of unsavory purposes. But this is also, this is a good moderation problem, right? If you're mm -hmm. a Discord moderator, you gotta be you got to be aware of this stuff going on. Yeah, and especially utilizing two-factor authentication, you know, just finding ways to ensure your safety and your security are the most paramount things to you, especially when you're dealing with financial, you know, potential financial crime. And oh, sure. It's been an interesting week, and, and, you know, I've been trying to get my steps in, Nathan. I've been trying to, you know, be more active, get some more walking done. But our, our final story from you this week is uh, talking about finding ways to, to build some equity while walking. Yeah, you know, I'm a daily walker, Matt. I actually, I don't feel like myself if I don't get a good daily walk in at the end of the day. Um, that's where I always listen to podcasts. I think about what I, you know, what I'm doing with my life, what I want to do. I get to observe my surroundings. It's a great way to, if you're in the city, you know, make some, make those connections that you don't have to have a GPS to figure out where you're going. But our story today here is about how we have this app called Sweatcoin, and it's actually been around for quite a while. Um, it's a competitor to step in and all these sort of uh, exercise-based crypto apps. But there were a lot of people that said, oh, Sweatcoin is going to go away. Like nobody uses it. Nobody's doing anything. But since we've seen the rise of Stepin, even in this bear market, um, there have been a lot of interest in people being outdoors and making crypto from it. And then the crypto companies having this base of people that are interested in health and fitness to sell to other people or to put into other communities. And so a lot of venture capital funding has come into Sweatcoin and it looks like Sweatcoin is definitely not going away. They are getting millions of dollars to fund their next round to become a competitor. So I would stay ahead of this. I would try it out if I were you. I'm, I'm in the trying stages of uh, seeing how it works. Um, but definitely there's going to be, there's a future for crypto and health to kind of bring themselves together for some sort of mutually beneficial economic and physical activity. If you made it financially viable for me to walk, I would walk more. I, I feel like a lot of people in America would do that because yay capitalism. But <laughs> when it comes to, uh, that it's a, I think it's a great idea. I think it's something that would, Anything that can help people get healthy and also help people make money uh, are, two th are two things that I'm a fan of. And if it's able to get get some, you know, literal sweat equity, I think it's a positive. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's funny, too, because there's a lots of people in the crypto community that don't like this. And they say you shouldn't be able to earn money from moving around or walking or not doing the sort of traditional things we think of as work. But it's actually when you look at the back end of Sweatcoin and what they're doing, it's actually pretty ingenious from a marketing perspective because all they're doing is they're collecting people who are engaging in physical activity. They're using the app. And then once you have a group of people um, together, you can sell them to marketers. You can put them in different communities. You can have them do challenges. There's a challenge on there today I saw, I think sponsored by Adidas, where they want to see who can get to 25,000 steps in one day, which uh, depending on where you are and how mountainous the region is, 25,000 steps is, I think, 14 miles, something like that. It's quite a distance. So it's there's there's some, you know, there's positives and negatives to this, like everything else. But in my mind, Sweatcoin and activity-based crypto stuff, woefully positive. I'll support it until it comes out that, you know, they're just 
I don't know, tracking you everywhere you go, which I guess they kind of are, but <laughs> in some in some sort of malicious way. But, you know, Matt, moving on to our next story here, you know, we had a negative NFT story before we were talking about Sweatcoin. Now we have this sort of a mix of an NFT story where we have some positives going on with Cuban NFT artists and then kind of a not so good one, depending on how you look at it with what OpenSea is kind of doing to them. Yeah, this story coming to us from Cointelegraph. Cuban artists, uh, after having the entire art market shut down during the pandemic, look towards OpenSea and Web3 as a place for them to sell their art, especially in the United States, where, due to the embargo signed by President John F. Kennedy in the 1960s, there is no trade between the United States and Cuba. But it's decentralized. Web3 is supposed to exist under decentralization, which kind of means no government. But OpenSea, looking to avoid litigation, like many other, like any of any company, any business <laughs> would, uh, have deleted accounts and it began in January with the closing of Fabrica de Arte Cubano, which is an art gallery in Cuba that provides exposure to emerging artists. And this has happened to, it happens on Patreon too, but in terms of Patreon, that is, that is more traditional business. It's not decentralized or crypto NFT business. It, I will leave. It's really hard to have the story and not have the politics involved. Sure. But the stifling of art and creativity bothers me. Um, the ability for artists to make money making their art. And if there are people out there looking to support that art, I there's a lot. There's a quagmire here. And I understand why OpenSea doesn't want to get involved. But conversations like this in crypto, in NFTs, in Web3 in general with the idea of decentralization, this is not going to go away. Problems like this are not going to go away. It is in, you know, it is endemic on the the open the Web3 community to kind of figure out where do they stand on this especially in the United States where this is going to be the major problem. Yeah, and it, it, this is really difficult too, Matt, because you're, you're right. It's very hard to separate the politics from this. Cuba obviously still technically being a, a communist country, one of the few that are that is left on earth. And um, I know that the Cuban government, when Bitcoin came out and people started exchanging Cuban dollars and U.S. dollars for Bitcoin to move money out of the country – they did not like that because like most communist countries, they have uh, a lot of capital controls. I think this is just one of those things where even though it does get me angry because I'm like you, I don't like the stifling of creativity. I don't like people to not have their freedom and their rights and things like that. I, I think I'm old enough and I've read enough history to know that Cuba really is probably on the brink of a major change. And I, I don't think it's going to be that much longer before Cuba transforms into something else that is probably much more inclusive and much more free. I don't like to make predictions about what will happen, but I think it really just has to do with this simple historical fact of old people who put the politics and systems in place. They're going to be gone. Younger people are coming up. I, I've looked at some of the Cuban uh, NFT art and some of the graffiti art. It's very clear that the Cuban people are immensely creative. They, they like doing interesting stuff, and they're just under – they're under a bad regime, and eventually, I think that will change. It's still baffling to me that there is even an embargo, but that's a that's another topic entirely. Yeah, and and to to be completely honest, Cuban culture, Cuban art, Cuban food, Cuban music, 
is amazing. And it, it oh, deserves yeah. to have that ability on the world stage to be recognized. And, and over the last nearly 70 years to this point, it, it, it is a little insane that we're still here. It's been, oh, pardon me, over 60 years, close to 70 years since this embargo was signed. And we've seen how global relationships have changed. And I think a lot of it just has to deal with Castro more than anything. And and the I just the the te- that tension never really going away. But there's no tension between you and I, old friend. This has been a fun episode of the Double B. We got the second helping of the Double B. And did, did you have fun, Nathan? I had fun. You know, I did have fun. I always like discussing these headlines with you, Matt, because even though, you know, we could just talk for hours and hours about this stuff, I think it's good to, if you're paying attention to the crypto headlines, just have somebody comment on them a little bit so that one, you could click on the headlines and learn more for yourself. I always, I always behoove people. Don't just listen to what other people are talking about. Just read the article yourself, read the stuff yourself. You're an adult. You can come to your own opinions and conclusions. And it's always nice to be able to get the source material and then do your own research and kind of go down your own, your your own rabbit holes so to speak but if we could help you you know learn about something or introduce you to a new concept like sweatcoin or the fact that you know Cuba has an amazing nft and graffiti art culture then i'm glad matt that's the entire reason that we do this show so i would like to thank everybody for tuning in to the second episode of bitmart bites we're calling it the second helping okay we tried to tighten it up a little bit so that we can uh, release this on Friday so that the timelines or and the news headlines are more timely. But uh, Matt, unless you have anything else to say, we're going to wrap this up because we have to do an episode of The Brain Trust. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm good, old friend. I'm ready to hit the old dusty trail. I hope that it's not too dusty, Matt. Well, okay. Then everyone, <laughs> I'm really glad that you've tuned in. I'm really glad that you've tuned in for this second episode, and I hope these headlines have been able you to have enabled you to make better decisions in crypto. Bye, everybody.